Hello, you're listening to the VJ Hemong podcast. The field of immunotherapy has seen the emergence of CAR T cell agents, a revolution that has yielded incredible results to date. In this podcast, we look at the results of the trials, the challenges being faced with the use of this novel therapy, and advances that we will be seeing in the future. To start off, Tanya Siddiqui of the City of Hope National Medical Center discusses the follow-up data from the Zuma 1 trial at ASH 2017. Zuma was the first multi-center trial to be done um, you know, nationally or internationally uh, in CAR T-cells in aggressive lymphoma patients. So prior to that, patients uh, had been treated on individual trials you know, at different centers, um, but Zuma 1 came up by, CAR-T, uh, by uh, Kite Pharma uh, company and they were the ones to kind of do the biggest uh, sort of multi-center trial first. So Zuma 1 was a phase 1-2 trial. Um, of about 100 patients with very aggressive diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, very refractory disease, like patients who are progressing to their last line of therapy. So very sick, very difficult to manage patients, patients who would unfortunately be dying very soon if we didn't do anything about them. Um, And uh, the uh, Zuma-1 CAR T-cell product is also a CD19-directed CAR T-cell product, but compared to Juno, which contains something called 41BB, which is a co-stimulatory molecule or domain uh, in the the construct of these CAR T-cells, the Zuma-1 construct, uh, the Kite Pharma construct, does not have this uh, 41BB, so it's just a CD28, it's something called CD28 uh, co-stimulatory, which the Juno one also has. So the the products are a little bit different, and what we saw with the Zuma-1 trial, which has much longer follow-up of patients compared to the Juno trial was that um, there, there, uh, there seemed to be about, um, uh, there seems to be a longer, there's already a longer follow-up, so about a year and a half now that is going to be reported as well um, tomorrow morning, the same time as the Juno results are going to be reported, but uh, Monday morning, but um, uh, it seems that, uh, and just by our own experience, uh, uh, most patients have had much higher toxicity, have had a lot of CRS, cytokine release syndrome, and a lot of neurotoxicity side effects, but pretty much all of these or most of these are reversible, so they have a rocky course in the first couple of weeks, they need to be in the hospital, etc. But when the dust settles, everything settles, if they go on to have a response, if, and if they hold on to their response for three to six months, they tend to stay in a remission um, durably, which is kind of what you want. So people who may have been dying within weeks are now living for a year or two or more potentially. That's how far they've been followed so far. So we don't know how long they'll stay in a remission. We hope it's a cure, but we, we don't know that yet. So um, so just to summarize, you know, the Zuma-1 trial, 100 patients, very refractory and very aggressive diffuse large B-cell lymphoma patients, a um, lot of toxicities seen, manageable, uh, reversible, um, but also about probably 50% of them uh, are staying in durable remission. Next, Faith Davies of UAMS Myeloma Institute gives an alternative insight into the promise of CAR T cell therapy at the recent ASCO 2018 annual meeting. CAR T cell data in myeloma continues to be quite exciting. I think maybe everybody had false hopes a year ago when everybody saw the amazing response rates of 80 to 100%. I think many people had that as a curative option. 
the um, data presented at ASCO this year um, shows that it's still a great option, but the progression-free survival is um, about a year in um, the data presented. And there's a similar um, article in the JCO this week um, with a different um, CAR-T showing similar data. So I think everybody's maybe got more realistic hopes for it now. Um, and um, I think it still definitely has a place. Um, it's not going to be the cure, but what we need to learn about now is how we maintain those excellent response rates. And so much work needs to be done around how you maintain the expression of the T-cells. You don't get T-cell exhaustion or T-cell disappearance. And whether that's with altering the car itself, whether that's with choosing the patients wisely, or potentially using other drugs such as immune checkpoint blockades or whatever added into that system to ensure that those T-cells persist and that the response continues to persist. So I think there's lots of biology that's going to inform the, um, the clinical studies as we move forward. Every cancer treatment comes with its complications, particularly in the case of a novel therapy such as CAR T-cell therapy. Here, Rose Ellard from King's College Hospital NHS Foundation Trust, speaking from EBMT 2018, explains one major complication of CAR T-cell therapy, cytokine release syndrome, and the role of healthcare professionals in its effective management. So CAR T-cells are a very new therapy within this field. Um, they were first given in 2012 to a young patient in America. Um, there's now two products licensed in America, one in the field of ALL and one in lymphoma. Um, within the UK, there are um, a small number of clinical trials running in, uh, again, a small number of centres. We have one running at King's. We've got more to open later on in the year. Um, as it's such a new area of therapy, um, the side effects can be quite uh, challenging to manage because there isn't really much of an evidence base there on how to treat these side effects. Um, so we're all essentially learning as we go. Um, so it is, a, as I say, a challenging area. Um, we, um, the role of the nurse um, is important in early identification of the um, toxicities of treatment, um, early escalation and um, management of these side effects. So cytokine release syndrome occurs when the CAR T cells start to expand um, in the patients, um, usually within their bone marrow, within um, haematological malignancies. When they start to expand and do their job, um, cytokines are then released and they create sort of like a, a chemical reaction almost in the patient, um, also known as as a cytokine storm. Um, this can lead to side effects such as um, very high temperatures, so temperatures of 40 to 41 degrees, um, hypotension and other organ toxicities such as problems with renal function and liver function. The first sign that we usually see is a raise in temperature and the patient starting to feel unwell. We can then start to see the blood pressure dipping. Um, the symptoms can mirror sepsis and we generally treat it as sepsis because we're not often sure until much later whether it well sepsis or cytokine release syndrome. We do blood cultures but they take a number of days to come back and we can check cytokine levels in the bloodstream but again these tests take a number of days to come back so at the time of the symptoms um, we would treat as neutropenic sepsis but keep in the back of our minds that this may well be cytokine release syndrome. Next we have Marian Sabkalu of LMU Hospital Munich who details the potential options to further improve CAR T-cell therapy in order to minimise the likelihood of complications such as cytokine release syndrome. Dr. Sugglu was speaking at SHAL 2018. 
The target antigen is the problem for CAR T cells. So I think first also clinical trials are running and last ash there was interesting very very early data presented from the City of Hope using a CD123 CAR T cell um, and for safety reason um, this was followed by an allogenic stem cell transplantation and they filed for the next dose level. I'm not sure if they reopened but this is going to be interesting and there are several other trials um, targeting sort of the usual suspects in AML. So hopefully some of the data is going to be presented at ASH. But then there's also other possibilities to increase safety um, in using CAR T cells in AML. So the one aspect is just to combine it with allogenic stem cell transplantation, sort of to overcome the induced hematotoxicity. And then there are other strategies um, like dual targeting is one strategy or further genetic engineering of the CAR T cells so that you can turn them on off would be one example. And then there are also interesting strategies with so-called adapter CAR T cells where you use sort of something like Blinatumumab, small adapter molecules with universal CAR T cells where then you also have the possibility to turn them on off. So I expect that the next five years are going to be lots of CAR T-cell trials. And if you look at clinical government trials and you look at the number of CAR T-cell trials, also actually in China, uh, it's an explosion of CAR T-cell trials. So I think we're going to hear lots about it. With the success that CAR T-cell agents show in treating hematological cancers, clinical trials have seen substantial recruitment. Here, Noel Frey from the University of Pennsylvania speaks at SHL 2018 about the difficulty in finding clinical trials for patients that require CAR T-cell therapy. I love that there's a race on with CAR T-cell therapy, that um, it's an exciting enough field that it's, it's driving multiple companies and institutions to go forward. But I can actually share with you that I'm actually in the opposite situation. So I often am looking to find a clinical trial for my adult patients with ALL. So I would say right now, more often than not, I can't find a CAR T-cell trial. So I think at least with adult ALL, we're still in a position, there's no approved product yet for the adult setting. Um, there's a lot of competition for these small numbers of spots at different trials. Um, uh, I often explore putting my patients on at other institutions if they have a trial that better fits their needs. So I'm looking forward to a time where I'm trying to dis decide between which CAR T-cell therapy trial to put my patients on. Our penultimate speaker is Stephen Robinson from the University Hospital's Bristol NHS Foundation Trust, who speaks at BSH 2018 about the future of CAR T-cell therapy and how to overcome its limitations. On the Wednesday morning, I was asked to uh, join a debate where the motion was that CAR T-cells would become the standard of care for relapsed diffuse large B-cell lymphoma in five years' time. So I was asked to talk against that motion, so I had the somewhat difficult task of really standing in the face of uh, what is a very exciting and progressive technology and really pull apart some of the data that we have describing uh, the effect of these cells in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. And really the points that I was making was that currently we clearly need longer-term follow-up before we really understand how effective CAR T-cells are in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. We clearly need to do a lot of work understanding 
why these cells are so toxicity and how we can try and prevent and ameliorate the toxicities that arise in patients. And then also, the lastly, the issue of just quite how expensive these agents are. Currently they're costed at approximately a million pounds per patient once all of the supportive therapy is provided for the patient. So really that's a, an unaffordable price tag um, in, in many, many healthcare economies. So really we need to look at how we can uh, negotiate lower prices for these agents with the companies that are producing them. We are very much um, in our infancy of understanding how we use these cells and I think in the coming years we will see reduction in the amount of toxicity associated with them. There's already some very early data suggesting that we can avoid the toxicity by giving preemptive tocilizumab to the patients. There's undoubtedly going to be a reduction in the cost associated with them because there are many, many different companies and academic groups that are synthesizing their own CAR T cells. So with more, with more competitors out there, the, the price will certainly come down. And I think also we're understanding more how we can manipulate these modified T cells and actually give them further further attributes that will enable them to fight the cancer cell even more. So the biology is very much in its infancy and I think in five, ten years time we'll be handling much more sophisticated CAR T cell products. We conclude this podcast with a talk from Yi Lin from the Mayo Clinic. Dr. Lin explores the potential of upcoming therapies and innovative strategies to manage CAR T cell treatment related toxicities at ASH 2017. There's certainly a lot of, you know, excitement. I think 2017's been just a, a, a landmark, you know, transformative year for lymph, lymph, lymphoid malignancy uh, immunotherapy with two FDA-approved CAR-T product. But we have Yescarta with Kite uh, Gilead, and in addition, we have Kimraya with Novartis for pediatric to young adult B-cell ALL. Um, at ASH, we are seeing both longer-term follow-up data from both of these trials, um, additional uh, multi-center trials that are starting, but also single-center trials looking at lots of new innovative strategies, you know, ways to make CAR-Ts safer, uh, whether that's with some co-signaling to conditionally activate or inactivate CAR-T, uh, next generation of CAR-T, non-viral ways of making CAR-T. So it'll be very, very interesting to see if all these new technology helps advance uh, the, the opportunity for CAR-T treatment uh, in lymphoid or in, in hematologic malignant Pregnancy. In addition, I think uh, the, the issue of toxicity and management is quite critical now that we do have CAR-T coming into clinical practice. Uh, we need to understand better the um, commonalities and nuances of differences between the different products and how we can safely implement this into, into the general hematologic practice. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. You can explore more in the field of CAR T-cell therapy on vjhemonk.com. To hear more and get the latest clinical updates in Hemonk, head to vjhemonk.com forward slash podcasts. Join in the discussion on Twitter at vjhemonk. Thank you for listening.